It's always a burden on me. I'm glad we've established that the faster we do it, the better it is. Just like our sex life. Get in, get out. More time for Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. How's it going? All right, how are you? I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good. I noticed you've got some candles burning today. Some scented candles. Yeah, well, seasonally like a love fall. Mm-hmm. But my place gets a little stuffy. You know, I mean, you probably noticed we've been in here yammering on and then, you know, the CO2 we emit gets it kind of stuffy in here. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave the open windows open a little bit during the day. And then I light the candles because it like helps mask the smell of my own breath. I see. <laughs> what would you call this, uh, this flavor candle? It's called like Starry Night or something, oh. but I think it's supposed to like be the smell of like a bonfire or something. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, um... Witch's Cauldron. <laughs> it's not a spectacular candle. <laughs> I did see some of those stupid, like, hyper-masculine candles that I've heard so much about. Like, uh, sheet metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny how fragile, uh, you know, masculinity is. Yeah, you can't just buy a candle. Just, I, think... I, I don't like super fruity candles. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, vanilla or... Cinnamon, maybe. You're more of a spice man. <laughs> um, yeah, that helps. <laughs> I just don't like, you know, apricots and coriander no, or something. Yeah. I'm not a big, I'm not a big cloying smells fan. I like the musky sandalwood kind of stuff. I actually, personally. I, I kind of like my candles the way I like my tea. Mm. Like, I can't do fruity teas anymore. Not into uh, passion. Very blast off bliss. The, the acai <laughs> blueberry bonanza. Uh, no, I can't do those anymore. Yankee Candle Company, if you're hiring for name makers, you know where to look. So I was presented with a problem the other day. Uh-huh. And I felt like you have a good observational history on this. So you might be a good person to go to. Ooh, okay. In your history... What is the makings of a good karaoke performance? Oh. Hmm. Well, as you know, I, I love karaoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, have done it many years. And I have worked. I've been in the bar while karaoke is going on. Right. So I have some experience in this realm. Mm-hmm. For me, I really enjoy when someone's having fun. Okay. But not... Showing off. Because there's definitely people who, who are having fun screaming Bohemian Rhapsody at the top of their lungs. But Too long for karaoke. Oh, you'd be surprised how many people do it. But they're the only ones having fun. Mm. You know what I mean? You don't need to be a good singer. You just need to be having fun. I really like when people pull weird songs out of nowhere. Okay. You know, like I've seen The Cranberry Zombie a hundred times. Oh, like, yeah. How many times have you seen a pair of girls doing Goodbye Earl? <laughs> Goodbye, Earl. What's that? Isn't that the Dixie Chicks? Oh. <laughs> I I have heard some Dixie Chicks songs. Okay. But, um, that's, that's the one where they kill the abusive husband in the song. Oh, man. Oh, my. Have you not? 
I mean, God, every time I went to Crescent, I heard that for like two years. It's probable that that's that's happened. I just don't. I just don't know the song. Mm. I guess I know what I don't like about karaoke more than I like. Oh, okay, I'm a firm believer that guys doing a female sung song is objectively awesomer than if they just oh. do like Creedence Clearwater or something. Oh. I do lots of lady songs, and it doesn't have to be like one that is like. From a female perspective, like it doesn't have, you don't have to go up and do Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl or something. <laughs> but you know, if you go up and do like No Doubt's Bathwater or something, or like Spiderwebs, like mm-hmm. I feel like that's just as good. Yeah. And I feel like it's a lot of fun then. Yeah. I mean, I do two songs, I guess, that have weak in the title. Because <laughs> I do Belinda Carlisle's I Get Weak. Okay. And I do Weak by SWV. So. <laughs> You know, I'm not afraid to sing songs about saying that I'm that I'm weak. And uh, you know, my choice the other night, I didn't get called because the place was too packed. But uh, I did Madonna's La Isle Bonita. Oh yeah, the Spanish uh, lullaby. That old Spanish lullaby. Yeah, because I was there with my cousin. And he wanted to do Living on a Prayer. Don't you know? Okay, that's one. You need to know that song, and you need to be able to nail it because the key change at the end is killer. It's too high. It gets so high. I just, I just like, I just told him that that was too too much into type. He had to think outside the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one. I don't mind if people do that song, but you got to be prepared for that key mm. change. I don't think a lot of people are. And then once it hits, they're just, it's sad. The ones that like I, I'd like to scratch off the list forever is Bohemian Rhapsody is definitely one. Um, Zombie Cranberries never need to hear that again. Don't don't even do American Pie by Don McLean. It's a nine-minute song, and you're just up there being selfish. It's annoying. <laughs> and don't stop believing. Let's just retire that song for a while. Oh, God, I love this song, and I love it when amateurs sing the lyrics. Also, the fucking Four Non Blondes song. I was song. just going to say God, Four Non Blondes. no more. I was sitting here trying to think of the name of that song. <laughs> what's, what's going on or whatever? Yeah. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that in my life. PSA for everybody. You don't... Don't... If you're thinking about doing that song, don't. You'll save a bartender's sanity. <laughs> Is there uh, anything interesting that you watched this week? Uh, I watched the first Final Destination movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've never seen any of them. Oh, okay. Uh, so I think it, I was thinking of just working my way through that franchise next. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more scenes of people taking poos than you think. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, like, in the first five minutes, there's, like, a bathroom stall where, like, Devin Sawa and, like, whoever the other guy is are in an airport bathroom. Right. And it's, like, an overhead shot, and you're seeing both of them, like, taking shits. Right. I vaguely remember that now. Um, and then, like, after they avoid, like, the plane explosion and, like, shit starts happening, like, one of the survivors is, like, seen at home, like, taking a dump. I mean, the movie is so stupid that it's genuinely unpredictable. Yeah. So then it kind of circles back to being fun. Yeah, I remember kind of liking the first one. Yeah, I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. It's hard to be scared by just death. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Like, I don't know. Those movies, you kind of just have to enjoy the, like, Rube Goldberg (laughs) of their deaths. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's that kind of the of, point of those movies. <laughs> and also, it, kind of, it it dates back to before Hollywood's obsession with shaky cam. Oh yeah. So everything's like really sort of clear eyed, and like the stunt pieces are all sort of like 
big and brassy and like they look actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like I can see all the stunt work that's happening. I don't know. It's sort of nice. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not gonna like go to bat and say that Final Destination is actually secretly a great movie, no. but <laughs> I've definitely watched worse franchises. Yeah. So. What about I, you? Well, I've been binge watching the Netflix series. Uh, shit, what's it called? Brain, brain Hunter. Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter. Damn it. I knew I was going to fuck that up. Anyway, I haven't slept much because I have been binging it. I'm, I'm running on about three or four hours of sleep right now. It is so good. Premise me. So it's basically, it follows these two FBI agents who are kind of the first profilers for serial murderers. Oh, when does it take place? Uh, 70s. Oh, like okay. Late 70s, I want to say. 77 or so. They're basically the first ones who started saying, let's interview these serial killers and start understanding why they do this behavior. It's just good. It's good Fincher, Fincher goodness. Mm. Um, Getting in that meaty Zodiac territory. Yeah, it's so good. And, you know, it starts to make you question, like, what is your own psychology? Like, why do you behave the way you do? And I've never once thought that. <laughs> That's very interesting. Why do you, why do you think that is? Mm, I'm probably just tremendously hedonistic with no sense of uh, being able to look back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very interesting. What other brain busters you got for me? I don't know. I'm not a profiler. I, I as much as I've been watching this, I, I can't was going to say clearly you haven't people. watched enough. <laughs> like, I I'm just not a psychopath. I hate to disappoint anyone who was hoping I was. Unlike me, who has watched The Mentalist. Uh, all seven seasons over the weekend, and uh, I can tell just from your body language that you want to kill the person to your left. Take us out on a high note for our Schlocktoberfest. Like living on a prayer. I don't know if I hit that high note. <laughs> but this week we watched the Alien Sci-Fi Horror Extra. It's sort of like if E.T. were evil. Sure. Starts out, young boy, playing fetch with his father. I don't know, it's with a stick. Yeah, and they're not really throwing it horizontally it seems more like a, a vertical toss well at least doing. one of the tosses is like onto the roof of their house <laughs> go get it girl <laughs> so they they just heave it skyward and then suddenly there's an explosion what's happening i don't know it's, a, it's close to that, uh, you know, the cut in 2001 when he launches the bone and then suddenly yeah. we're in outer space. Very similar to that. Sure. <laughs> the idea is that once we're back to, like, the modern storyline, we learn that the father in this scenario, who's playing catch, fetch, with his son, has gone missing for three years. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that he ran away, like, or is a deadbeat dad. No one believes this, the child that he disappeared in a flash of light. Right, everyone thinks that this is, like, the child, sort of, this is the story the kid is telling himself. Right. In order to cope with his father running away. Mm-hmm. 
before we get too far, I have to ask, did you enjoy watching this movie? <laughs> uh, yes and no. Okay. I just want to know if we're on the same page or... So this movie has a sort of strange combination of being like MST3K fodder oh, in a lot yeah, of it. Yeah. And also being kind of genuinely scary. So when the alien lands mm-hmm. and there's that scene of like the couple driving through the woods yeah. and there's that jump scare of like the alien off to the side. Yeah. I fully knew that was coming and I still kind of shook. It is it is a it is a creepy really creepy moment because the person that's in the costume is doing like crab walk style. Yeah. But the mask the face of the mask is on the back of their head. So yeah. it's back so the back of the creature is looks like which is the stomach of the actor is all like bent in and looks mm-hmm. really creepy and weird. I was really thrilled to see that because <laughs> I used to spend, you know, lots of time on the internet before there was, you know, lots of quality programming to see that's streaming <laughs> these days. I used to just spend time on corners of the internet looking at weird stuff. And one of the things I really like looking into is cryptozoology. Okay. Which is like, you know, the study of weird animals like Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster and junk like that. And there's this one called the Skinwalker mm. that people used to pass around for a while. And it's just a fucking picture of that. Oh, really? Yeah. They're oh. like, check out this picture. It's the Skinwalker, blah, blah. <laughs> and they build this whole mythology around it. Huh. And uh, I remember now, I, now that I've watched this movie, reading a, an article about how that photo is debunked because they're like, it's just from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and being like, oh, I need to see this, this extra one day. And I... Completely forgot about it until I watched this scene again. I was like, oh, perfect. Uh, and yeah, that is really, that's a really creepy scene. Just like the way the creature moves and there's like, the soundtrack is is done by the director. I don't know if you noticed that. But soundtrack is some, some serious cat on a Casio. It's, it's pretty oppressive. It, it's a, it's a, it's not, it's no John Carpenter score. Let's just say that. But they're listening in the car. They're listening to the soundtrack, which is some weird, like baroque synth baroques. And then when that happens, there's a synth sting. That's actually kind of creepy. Yeah. But yeah, that scare is good. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, even sort of the lead up to it when you see the alien like forming itself, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that looks really creepy. Like, mm-hmm. That is a creepy looking alien creature thing. Uh. And then, yeah, we get that jump scare, and, it, like, I knew that it was coming. Like, it's not even, like, that the rhythm took me off. It was just the sight of it. Yeah, and it's just the way it moves, too. Yeah, real unnatural. unnatural. Yeah. yeah, it's creepy. But, yeah, I would argue that that's kind of the only scary thing. <laughs> it kind of goes downhill from there in the scare department. Because uh, it just moves so slow. Everybody's so deliberate in the way that they talk. <laughs> And, like, move the plot along. <laughs> uh, so this alien, it gets hit by the car. Mm-hmm. And the dude driving it, like, gets out to, like, because he thinks he, like, hit a deer or something. And the thing kills him. And then, like, the lady, you know, is not allowed to drive, <laughs> locks herself in the car. And that proves to be disastrous. Yeah. She gets her foot stuck in the steering wheel somehow. When, yeah. When the creature pulls her out. I thought that was a weird shot. but <laughs> Either way, they both meet their end yeah. at the hands of... I mean, they never say the word extra in this movie. <laughs> yeah, what is that referring to? Just mm. like... Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to watch it with commentary. Extra-terrestrial. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> 
And then I'm not entirely sure how, but the creature makes its way to like this lone woman, <laughs> like living. She's a... got a dog, Divine, the Jack Russell <laughs> Terrier. Divine, come back! What do you think you're doing? Divine, Divine, where are you? Come back! Divine, come on! But yeah, she's just like a woman, like living in a cottage in the woods alone, yeah. or with her dog, Divine. washing her hair. Yeah. And the creature, like, makes its way in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember, like, it being a little creepy, her, like, walking around, like, noticing that, like, something's up. Mm-hmm. And then she gets, like, attacked by the thing. Right. Uh, he sort of, sort of face hugs her, but also just, like, Yeah, it's just like, her he, he's got, like, a arm thing that, like, covers her mouth, mm-hmm. but he impregnates her. Yeah. Something. <laughs> The movie's light on details. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to give it shit for for that because there's just too many that are, that we're going to miss there. But yeah, so she becomes kind of super pregnant and super fast. She goes from like looking like a little bit like she's got a pot belly <laughs> to like all at once being like 14 months pregnant. <laughs> and she starts giving birth. And the, the birthing scene <laughs> is clearly just like a hefty bag that's been plastered <laughs> up to look like a birthing canal. Yeah. As they push a human person through it. Like, the way that it stretches and tears, I'm like, oh, that's a glad bag. Yeah, that's not skin. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he moves so slowly out. Like, it's the slowest birth ever. And I feel like I mean, That's kind of been the. Deal. I want to know what birds you've seen. I would say that this is one of the fastest birds ever. <laughs> Having seen a similar shot in the Takashi Miike film Gozu, this one was brisk and healthy. Okay. <laughs> uh, she went to her Lamaze classes. <laughs> so he crawls out, and it's the person crawling out is the father that went missing from mm-hmm. the opening. Scene. The, the, the aforementioned uh, stick launcher. <laughs> yes, the deadbeat dad. Sure. So a lot of horror movies, when you have the dynamic of like single parent and child. Mm-hmm. Babadook had it. Right. E.T. had it. Right. And yeah, a lot of these horror movies deal with sort of uh, broken home anxieties. And this is sort of playing on that. Sure. Like, here is the alien in the form of a deadbeat dad who came back home. Right. And, I mean, that's the goal, I'm <laughs> assuming, of the filmmakers here. Uh-huh. Is that it's supposed to be sort of taking a science fiction concept and applying it to domestic strife. Sure. I don't think it succeeds. <laughs> I did. I was on board. I was on board with the idea of their family missing the dad. And that's like the drama of it. Yeah. But you didn't get any more than that with these characters. Like there's no effort to make Tony a lovable little scamp. The mom isn't any more interesting than like, I'm mom. <laughs> I mean, I guess she gets torn between Joe and Sam when he returns, but even then she's not really, like, conflicted. She seems like, oh, bye, Joe. (laughs) You know? Well, because Joe is having the affair 
with the au pair. Because you I said s- that was a different guy. Oh, I thought that was Joe. No, I think that's a different guy. <laughs> Just some random dude. Oh, they looked identical. Yeah, they looked pretty similar. Oh, okay. But I gotta say, that au pair had quite the au pair on her, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, the only boobies that we get in this movie are her when she's having sex and... Zing. She was definitely hired not because of her acting <laughs> talents. She's sort of... They have a sex scene pretty early on that's very bizarre. He's, like, going down on her, and then she just sort of stops him, gets up, and looks out the window. <laughs> and then, like, he pulls her back onto him, and she, and she just sort of, like, wrestles his hands a little <laughs> bit. It's, I don't know. It's, I, I don't want to judge people's, you know, how they, how they do it, whatever. I don't want to... It just was strange to watch for me as an outsider viewing it. The au pair gave me a definite Julie Delphi vibe. Oh, yeah. She's a, she's a Dabo. So she's... She's... What was that, Charles? <laughs> Mar- Marianne Dabo? She's the first cousin of Olivia Dabo, who uh, you may know, remember, as the older sister on The Wonder Years. Uh, she was also oh. in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where she gains Q powers and becomes part of the continuum. She's also the love interest in Kicking and Screaming, the Noah Baumbach film. Wow. Yeah, so this is her This is her first cousin, once removed, <laughs> starring an extra as the French au pair. Yeah. I actually did a little research. <laughs> well, you know, when you're only getting three hours of sleep, you gotta be doing something time. <laughs> Continuity error in the movie. So once Sam, the uh, deadbeat dad who comes back, mm-hmm. or... An alien in the form of the Debbie Dad comes back. Mm-hmm. They're playing Connect Four. <laughs> yeah, I have the same note. Tony, the child, is red, and the dad, Sam, is yellow. And Tony puts in a red tile and gets four, and he's like, "I win." Yeah. There were two yellow rows of four already. <laughs> I saw that too. I was like, "This is." That game ended a long time. The bottom row had like yeah. four, <laughs> and I just think, I was just thinking like, come on, prop people, you can't like <laughs> a little foresight here. I want to give, I, I do want to give like a little bit of a weird shout out to the set direction of that apartment. Like, there's minimal design, and then there's like nothing on the walls design. <laughs> they didn't have a picture anywhere. There was no mirrors. It looked like. A badly furnished soundstage. It was bad. <laughs> Contrast to the woman who lives below them, who has, like, every antique that's ever been on... The you German know. woman? Yeah. One who gets her snake in the salad? Yeah. And she just takes, like, a hammer to it immediately? Yeah. And then gives it back to him in a bag? <laughs> that looks like just a bag of blood. Yeah, what the fuck? I think this belongs to your son. Oh, God. Harry... And it's like, no, you say, like, I had to kill it because it was in my food, and that's just the end of it. Yeah, you don't need to give it back. They're not going to have a funeral for it. But her place was furnished really well, that's my yeah. point. So I don't know about you, but I definitely was sort of thrown from time to time at the Britishness of this. Because, mm. uh, like, the steering wheels on the other side of right. the cars. Yeah, that was throwing me off. So there was one scene where it was, like, someone opens a car door and there's a dead girl on the passenger side. Yeah. And but right before that though, it's like it shows the dude driving and like the dead girl's just like leaning there. And I was like, <laughs> I saw that. I was like, she's not keeping her eyes on the road. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And then there's a scene where Sam and Tony are getting in the car, and like Tony gets in on in America, what would be the driver's side, <laughs> and I'm like, they're letting the kid drive. <laughs> Seems wrong. I wouldn't put it past this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe just the tone of the movie was throwing me off where, like, that somehow seemed believable. <laughs> we haven't talked too much about the, like, weird, I don't know, connection that Tony has with his father. But, like, there's a scene early on when the mom comes in to comfort him because he has all these dreams. And he's just covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. She's like, holy shit, call a doctor. Uh-huh. They clean up the mess. A doctor comes over and he's like, where'd the blood come from? He's like, don't know. Just felt something sticky. It's called puberty. <laughs> but then later, you know, they can't figure it out the next morning. What did Tony say about last night? I didn't ask him. I'm not going to push it. You're not going to push him on the blood that just like came out of nowhere? It was, I mean, it wasn't like... He had, like, a little mark of blood on his pajamas. He was soaked. Yeah. And it just, like... Like, from toe to sternum. Happened out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, she was tucking him in and... No- he didn't even bring up the blood. Yeah. And she, she was tucking him in and noticed that her hand was covered. And then pulls the sheet back and it's just, like, head to toe. And he's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that come be, from? I would be grilling him. I'd be like... Tony? I'm not mad. I just need to understand. Well, this is why you'd make a terrible parent. <laughs> yes. I know you want to go all mind hunters on these people, but, you know, you can't do that with kids. I want to know where that blood came from. <laughs> I want to know why you're doing it, Tony. We're not leaving this room until you tell me. I want a pizza. No. No. And that's just going to make him dig his heels in even more. Yeah, well, I'm not going to give him what he wants until I get what I want. You gotta eat that pizza in front of him. Yeah. You want some of this pizza, Tony? I'll give tell you me where a... that blood came from. I'll give you a cigarette if you tell me where that blood came from. <laughs> tell me where you got the money for the blood. <laughs> anyway. He catches them having sex, too, which is... I just wish... And they didn't stop right away, I feel. Like, he walks in... And it gets pretty bright in there before they notice what's happening. <laughs> now, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, when my Venetian blinds, like, catch some moonlight, I'm like, let's stop! <laughs> Hold on! Uh, and they, like, let, like, the full, like, hall light yeah. come in. And then they, like, peer out from under their sheets and they're like, huh? What? Tony? Hold on! <laughs> I just wish one of them had been like, Mommy and Joe are just wrestling. You know, there's not, there's no explanation for it. They're just like, yeah, we're fucking. He's shot us again. It's, it's mommy, Joey, cheat monster time. (laughs) Also, God, if if you took, if you played a drinking game to every time they said Tony in this, you'd be wasted in the first half an hour. Tony! Tony? Tony! 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 Tony. 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 I just feel like every sentence the mom has is has Tony, Tony in it. <laughs> Tony. Tony, where'd you get this blood? <laughs> Even when he's not on screen and they're talking, like she's talking to Joe, he's like, what are you doing today? She's like, well, I've got to pick up Tony from school. Tony, put your snake away. <laughs> you know how I'm Tony's mother and all. 
Do you think the snake eggs were somehow symbolic of the mother-child relationship? And how Sam, alien Sam, comes and eats the eggs and gets, like, all the egg juice over his chin? Absolutely. (laughs) So there's some pretty creepy father-son activities that happen. Yeah, not Uh, just Connect Four. uh, They're connecting in other ways. Yeah, there's a pretty gross hickey scene in this movie where, like, Sam takes Tony Tony down an alleyway and, like, bite kisses him on the neck and it, like, protrudes into some sort of (laughs) neck pyramid. (laughs) It's like when, uh, you know, you take ice cream and you, like, have it on the spoon and kind of form it as you're pulling the spoon out of your mouth. He sort of, it's like he took a bunch of ice cream and was just kind of spitting it out into a form on Tony's shoulder. Yeah. Was it his shoulder? I thought it was like full, like, hickey area, like on the neck. It's kind of that zone. And okay. that whole zone, you should, if you're an adult, don't put your lips on a child in that area. While Tony's running away, his shirt's unbuttoned too. It was odd. Oh. <laughs> it was really odd. <laughs> but this is somehow imbuing. Tony, Tony, with some uh, powers, yeah. some psychic powers. <laughs> I mean, he can't like yeah. move objects with his mind or anything like that. But sort of like whatever he wills to become alive comes alive. Yeah. So like the so he's really. We should just mention at this point that Tony's really into circus stuff and his legally safe GI Joe knockoff. Yeah. Um, G.I. Jorb. <laughs> uh, G.I. Jose. Yeah. <laughs> the non-union Mexican equivalent. I caramba. <laughs> uh, so, uh, old lady Goebbels down uh, below them, <laughs> who kills his snake when it, like, gets out of the cage. By the way, I love the mom's line after that. She's like, she's just a stupid woman. <laughs> Do you think the do you think the actress improv that line or that was on the page? <laughs> Tony, don't be upset. She's just a stupid woman. No, this is a, this is like an Aaron Sorkin script. Like you don't go, you don't add, you don't delete. So af- after Old Lady Mengele kills Tony's snake, he sort of wills his GI Joe to come alive. And I actually kind of like this scene for a moment <laughs> because someone knocks on the door and she has the chain lock. Right. And so she opens it a little bit, but the chain pulls and she's like, who is it? And then bolt cutters come <laughs> out and cut the chain. And for like, for whatever reason, I think cause I had forgotten this, like the storyline of like the kid getting psychic powers. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I was like, if that happened to me, like, I'd be shitting myself right now. Yeah. So she closes the door and locks it, uh, but who's running at the end has some sort of, like, magical device to unlock locks. It's like a bomb. It, like, blows up. Yeah. It blows up the lock. <laughs> but it doesn't, like, blow the door down. It no. just, like... Diffuses the lock. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so the door opens, and it's a life-size G.I. Joe. Right. Which turns out that it was an Almodovar's gazpacho, that doll. Because earlier, he points it at her and goes, So, uh, you know, don't introduce a toy soldier shooting at somebody in the first act if it's not going to go off later. In the second act. (laughs) Ish. Isn't quite how Almodovar used his gazpacho. That's true. Also, that scene is really great at the end when she finally does get stabbed because she's hiding under the couch. Yeah. And it looks like she gets found out because she's reaching for a candy. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bunch of chocolates spill on the ground and it looks like she reaches for one. Because she gets stabbed and then the blood splatters all over the chocolates on the ground. And the hand reaching for the chocolate. Like, I just picture her like, Hiding into the couch, fearing for her fear, life, and then being like, "Ooh, a Reese's." <laughs> I really actually kind of like the the way that the life size GI Joe moves. Mm. It has this like sort of believable believable animatronic movement to it that it seems like it's a life size marionette or almost. Yeah, the acting, the physical acting of that person is pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, I kind of like the whole scene except that yeah, the old woman seems to reveal herself because she's got to have a toffee. <laughs> He also, like, wills to life this strange little person. In a scene that makes no clown. sense on the page or on the screen. He's looking at, like, this little... I don't know. He has a toy yeah. that's like a clown on, like, a high bar. Flipping around, yeah. But, yeah, and I've, like, seen these toys before. Like, you press a button and they flip around. Yeah. And he, like, looks at it real hard. The the lead up to it, though, was really weird because it's just like this slow (coughs) camera pan and him making weird grunting noises for a long period of time. It felt like forever. <laughs> anyway, then yeah. Maybe it is a puberty story, you maybe, don't know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, he stares very hard at this trapeze artist toy, and it comes to life in in the form of, like, a real-life little person who doesn't... He does some tricks, like, he kind of juggles. He's got a yo-yo with blades on it. Yeah. And a rubber hammer that's wobbly. Yeah. Big shoes. That's about it. Yeah, and he kind of dances around in Tony's room for a little while. It's a real bizarre intro to this section of Tony having powers. Yeah. I felt. Because he just sort of becomes Tony's minion at this point, too. Yeah, because who was it? I don't have it in my notes, but, like, they knock someone. Is it the au pair? Uh, They do capture the au pair. Because the mom suddenly just decides to, like, go back to the cottage with Sam, her husband, and leave Tony with the au pair. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And she's just like, bye, we're going to the countryside. Like, I stopped caring about the blood. Yeah. Like, Joe, you know, you're not in the picture anymore, kind of. 
I don't know. It was bizarre. But then, yeah, so he and the little uh, gnome guy capture the babysitter. Yeah. And wrap her up in some spider webs above the tub. Yeah. That makes her, like, poop out eggs. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And they put it in some sort of, I don't know, kind of looks like coleslaw gelatin. <laughs> was the, the fridge that they turned over sideways. Yeah. God, if you haven't seen this movie, this probably doesn't sound like we're, <laughs> we're even... You have no idea what we're talking about. <clears throat> this might be a this might be a hard one for people if you haven't seen this movie. So Joe, who I guess is a fashion photographer, <laughs> Joe sucks. By the way, he's just he's like such a killjoy the whole movie. So they they there's a scene of him at a photo shoot, and you you I think you might hear this before you see it, but this woman comes up and I'm like, Joe, is this okay? And, like, they turn, and it's, like, a woman with the biggest hair you've ever seen wearing tinfoil. <laughs> Low-cut tinfoil. <laughs> and my immediate reaction is, uh, no, go change and do something with your hair. And he's like, oh, yeah, that looks good. I'm like, <laughs> in what world is this a good look? I don't know. The moms seem to be involved in the fashion world, too, in some way. But you couldn't tell from their home decor. No, and you couldn't tell by the strange color-blocked smock turtleneck thing she was wearing. It was bizarre. I guess Joe eventually figures out that Sam, the dad, may have murdered this woman that was in the car in our first scare. We should also mention that um, the au pair Annalise's uh, boyfriend dies via Puma. (laughs) And my note for that was just like, they were fucking able to afford a panther, puma, whatever, for this movie. I just, I don't know. It just Do you think seem... pumas are expensive? I don't know, but... I feel like you can get one on the cheap. You know, Craigslist, that shit? <laughs> I can't imagine the demand outweighs supply for mm-hmm. puma shots. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a good equilibrium there. You can get one on, the, on, a, on a budget. Oh, okay. If you're in the film industry. I see. Maybe that's just, like, an insider thing that I'm blind to. <laughs> it was shocking to me to see it. I don't know. I just feel like if they were too expensive, you'd never see a puma in a movie. And, you know, if they were cheap, movies would just start pumas. <laughs> well, I mean, you're just fresh off watching 101 pumas. So. <laughs> but, yeah, the budget on that movie was outrageous. <laughs> oh... We do possibly get a peen shot in this movie, though. Oh, I saw a butt shot. Yeah, and it, it's it's in that same scene, and I think he was actually naked, mm-hmm. but like the camera just never quite angled itself right. Mm. Uh, got close though. Like it definitely, I could see some stem. Mm. I feel none of the men in this movie were very attractive, though. No, <laughs> no. I've got to say. I mean, I didn't, like, stop and pause any of this stuff. <laughs> you this know. Is, this is not a hot uncle situation. Uh, yeah, I was like, is that peen? Uh, I can't tell. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't care. But let's, got, better to just get through this. <laughs> We've got Tony, Tony and Imp making mischief. mischief. Yeah, making mischief in the fridge with water balloons. And then uh, Mom and Sam 
having sex in the cottage, rekindling their romance, Gerald game style. And while they're having sex, she realizes that, oh god, your skin's coming off. You've hurt yourself. Usually, I've been, you know, uh, sort of... You've uttered those lines before. <laughs> yes, but after I come. It's, uh, yeah. I'm and your been... skin has never fallen off once on me. I just <laughs> want the record to show. It just was, uh... Gross. Yeah. <laughs> it was gross. Yes. Sex is gross between a man and a woman. <laughs> I agree. So, they get out to the country... Joe figures out the situation and then takes Tony out there with him, and that's where our big, I guess, showdown happens? I don't know if showdown is the right term. Sam and Tony end up, like, getting back in the spaceship and flying away. You get to see the full alien stuff. This is an upright alien as before that there was the quadruped alien. Think of the last scene in E.T., except Elliot gets on the spaceship. Right. And he's the alien. (laughs) Right. So was the whole point of the return of Sam to take Tony back? Yeah, I suppose. You know how at the beginning of this movie I was like, oh, the alien is supposed to be like the alien figure in your home? Right, 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 right. That doesn't pan out, start to (laughs) (laughs) The, The movie doesn't adhere to this philosophy by the time it wraps up. I guess that is kind of horrific if, you know, like, somebody comes and then takes your son away because you're the favored one because you've been missing and then therefore romanticized. Mm. And so, like, the kid's obviously going to like that one more, maybe, than the one who's actually raised them. So maybe that speaks to the horror of the mom in that moment. Sure. Although that does not get addressed in the uh, coda where she goes home and gets attacked by one of the water balloon eggs that was in the fridge. Yeah. Also, their kitchen is now inexplicably painted white. <laughs> Bright white. And, yeah, she dies in black. Although, I, maybe that is. Maybe that's a statement on how, like, your children can inflict more harm on you than any lover ever could. Mm, I like how you're digging deep. <laughs> it wasn't... Sam's leaving that killed her. It was Tony's. Yeah. Tony. I know when, uh, during my last breakup, like, I could deal with that, but, like, if I lost custody of my little dog, I'd have to go to therapy. Too much, yeah. Yeah. So, this movie runs deep. I can't even say, I can't even pretend to say that. Uh, so I chose extra because it is sort of a cult classic. Like, there is a circle of people who unironically love this movie. Hmm. What aspects of it do you think that they love? Well, there is sort of really interesting sci-fi elements to this. When you're talking about like low-budget horror movies, if you just look at it in terms of like, oh, this had no money, and what did it do with it? It's sort of impressive. I will say some of the visual effects are pretty good. Yeah. But I also have to say, making sense is free. <laughs> So, you don't have to have a budget in order to make sense. Yeah. And in that regard, this movie is a failure. <laughs> it really feels like we've got the first draft of the script. 
that they just went with. But part of me still feels that there are these like little nuggets of like truly like good movie making in there. Jump scares near the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and just some of like the alien set stuff. The way that it looked at the end, or the way that it was coming together at the beginning. All that stuff I thought was solid. Mm. But, yeah. It was not without problems. (laughs) I guess my main issue was, A, the dialogue was just abominable. Abominable. It was was too bad. And also, the pacing really drove me nuts. Because it was, like, too slow to be scary... Oh, it was a long hour 23 for me. I just wish, yeah, I wish there would have been more of those themes of, like, why is this horrific? You know, we we don't get any of that. It's just sort of, like, presented that here's an alien. It's scary. They weren't even one-dimensional characters. I felt like we were getting, like, zero-dimensional. Well, that's why we're going to have to watch the sequels. Which I'm so curious about, honestly, because, like, what is the second one? Is that what takes place on the home planet of Extro? I, I haven't seen the sequels, so... I can't imagine what they would be. I can definitely see myself seeing the sequels, though, shortly. I would love it if it was just, like, the dad in alien form taking care of Tony in alien form, <laughs> but it's just like, eat your spaghetti <laughs> You can't tell me what to do! It's just a Mike Lay film, but, like... In space. <laughs> I never should have gone back to Earth to pick you up. <laughs> I miss Joe! This takes us to the end of uh, hex-rated boo. These. It's been fun. It has been fun. It's been a journey. It's been something. <laughs> I know I'll never be the same. But you're gonna be the one to cleanse our palate. Yeah, and I've decided to go full-on life-affirming and real. So I'm doing a documentary. Oh, okay. Marwin Call, which I don't oh. think you've seen. I don't even think I've heard of it. It's really good. It just follows around this guy who gets amnesia from a horrible beating and then rebuilds his memories with dolls and takes photos, really stunning photographs of them. Oh. And then it gets twistier from there. It's a really odd story, but it's very life affirming. And I think you're going to like it. Let's plug our junk. Like, review, rate, subscribe on iTunes. That's the best way to get the word out there for the podcast. Yeah, you could give us five stars or four stars. Those are the only two options <laughs> that iTunes offers. Fun facts. And yeah, unfortunately. True story. So, yeah. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. We have a handle there, which is at X-Rated Movies. To find out the most current news on what we're doing or what we'll be reviewing, follow us on Facebook at Rated X Movies. We can get an update as to what's coming up on Fridays and then what is out on Mondays. And you can always email us if you want to contact us directly and perfectly at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Send nudes! Uh, anyway, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed Schlocktoberfest as much as we enjoyed making it. 
Now we're back to regular movies next week with Marwin Call. See you then. Yeah. And uh, until then, watch the skis. Thank <laughs> you.